Faith Set by Guest. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday in Lent for the week of March 15th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, but I'm also excited, yet also kind of feeling conflicted, especially if you are living here in the United States with the last week and what we've been experiencing, that we are in a national catastrophe and dealing with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And it's been something that's been going on in the world community, but I think it's also the point of recognizing and realizing how big of a thing this is. And it's been something I've been kind of keeping my eye on for quite a few months now and just being able to see it at this magnitude. It's something, again, like we've been hearing from multiple different sources, that it isn't something to be getting stressed out about, but something to be concerned about and being conscious of and thinking about. And I think there's a lot of effort and things that we need to be thinking about and going through that. And I'm going to dive into that a little bit more this week, tipping my hand a little bit of how I'm going to be approaching these gospel texts. Because I think there's a lot of things that I am excited about what this could bring and what this could be for our global community and within our communities then trickling down from that is this is an opportunity I see as the world being able to come together as one big global community and watching out for each other and caring about each other. And it's something that I've been really frustrated with over the last handful of years, especially, that I feel like we're not listening to each other, we're not caring about each other, we're not really actually genuinely communicating about the same things. And I think this could possibly be a way, a stepping stone for us to be communicating and being accepting of different ideas, different opinions, but also recognizing that we're all in this together and we're going to need each other to get through this. But before we get into this week's podcast, we have to look at our last week's Twitter question, which was, are we putting ourselves in situations to grow? Are we recognizing these situations? And are we recognizing situations that are preparing us to grow? I would argue COVID-19 and the coronavirus are exactly that. It's preparing us to grow not only as individuals, but more as a global community, which has me really excited. But we had some really good responses this last week. One talking about putting themselves around other people who they see either as more intelligent or coming from different perspectives, different ideas, teenagers, children, smart adults, and how that continues to teach. And also just putting you in that mindset of reading scripture and coming at it from a new perspective and being willing and able to let that teach. I had a really good conversation with another loyal listener this week who was talking about digging into a little bit of what we talked about a couple weeks ago and kind of tying a little bit into this last week's also. But he brought up a great quote from a Danish philosopher of Soren Kierkegaard. And I just have to quote this because I think it also is really important, especially within this time, but within our own faith walk. He is quoted of saying, how will my soul wake up to the risky joy of authentic faith? 
How will my soul wake up to the risky joy of authentic faith? I really enjoy that quote, and I think it really summarizes well what we've been thinking about the last few weeks as we're dealing with and wrestling with faith and what does that mean and the risk that we have to be able to take in that. But what if we don't do that? Do we leave on the table without even recognizing it? I think it's a really important thing to contemplate, to consider, and it's really powerful. And so I was really excited to have that quote brought to my attention this last week. And I hope it's something that's also powerful within your own life. So let's jump into this week's text. And the gospel text this week is one of the few that the pastor probably is going to have you sit down for. The gospel is out of John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. Remember that where we came from last week, the chapter before with having Nicodemus in the night, this prestigious or at least well-looked-upon leader coming to Jesus at night. And then we have this story coming a chapter later. So we are in the Samaritan city of Sychar, which Samaritans are Jews that have some Gentile blood. So they're seen as Jews, but not pure Jews within the Jewish community at this time. And they're at a well that Jacob had helped make. And this woman is coming in the middle of the day, which probably means that she's some type of outcast, assuming that most women in this society would have been either coming in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. And Jesus is there and asks for a drink. And the Samaritan woman is kind of hesitant with this. You know, why should I do this? And Jesus kind of responds with, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying this, give me a drink, that it would be living water. And so she then gets into this discussion of what is this living water? Jesus then starts revealing to her things that Obviously, he knows something more about her that she doesn't have a husband at this time, but she's living with someone and she's had five husbands before, which in this case, we have to remember also the society in which we're dealing with, that it was purely men driven, that men can declare divorce for whatever reason they wanted. So don't make this woman out to be something that she's not. But as Jesus continues to tell and understand more of her story. She then starts to put some pieces together and starts wondering if this is the Messiah that has been promised to come. And we get to verse 28, which I think is also a really important verse. Then the woman left her jar and went back to the city to tell people about this, leaving arguably the old behind and bringing people to Jesus. Come and see the man who told me everything I have done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Asking it as a question, almost as if this idea of come and see for yourself. And the people come and the longer they're there, the more they're starting to understand this. And Jesus stays for an extended period of time. Extremely long reading, a lot to get into, 
And I will also bring up one more thing because I think it's also really important coming from verse 6 at the beginning. Jesus was there tired out from his journey sitting by the well. And I think to me, and it's something that we'll get into a little bit more later, is it never says fully if this was purely physical that Jesus is tired or is this also spiritually is Jesus tired? And we'll get into that a little bit more here later. Gives you a brief summary of this reading. Again, this is one of the few that I would highly recommend making sure you read yourself because there is a lot there and it's really hard to summarize in a short condensed style. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. This is now the Israelites have been taken out of Egypt. They are camped at Rephidim, which could be wrong in the pronunciation. The people are then complaining to Moses, give us a drink of water. And they're quarreling, why would God test us like this? Why would God do this to us? We're going to die out here. Things were better in Egypt. So Moses talks to God and says, what am I supposed to do about this? The Lord comes back to Moses, take some of the elders with you. He takes his hand to the staff, which you have struck the Nile, and go and start striking rocks at Horeb. And when they strike the rocks, there is water being poured out for them to drink. And the final line being, is the Lord among us or not. This idea of look at what the Lord has provided for us. He is not just going to leave us to die. The psalm this week is Psalm 95. And again, it's this psalm of making a joyful noise to the Lord and recognizing the things that he has done, that he's created the mountains high, he's created the sea, and all these things to provide for us. And yet we go astray and wander, forgetting to recognize what God is providing for us. And the psalmist wrestling with, why do we keep straying? The second reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I would argue this is the reading to me that kind of starts showing kind of more the main point of where I'll get to this week. Talking about our faith, that we are justified in faith, that we have peace through Jesus Christ, and we have seen this, that we are justified in our faith through Christ. And I'll pick up here, starting in verse 2, through whom we have obtained access to grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This idea of what Christ has already done for us to establish the relationship that we have and that we are justified through the blood that was shed for us so that we might have received this reconciliation that Paul is guiding us through here. So before we get into how this ties with faith and science, I have to do our shameless plugs for 
Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, it's a great way to be able to hear from, in their Sermon Brainways podcast, four different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, along with having commentaries that are written by various other Bible scholars, plus archives going back 10 plus years. So if you don't like the commentary that's there, check out another one. Plus having discussions on other biblical subjects. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help me understand and where to take these texts. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Second shameless plug is if you haven't checked out God Friend and Me, I'd highly recommend it. Again, as I state week after week, I'd argue it's one of the best things on television as it shows the struggle and the wrestling with, at this point right now with the main character, with atheism, with his faith, and how do those two work together if he's going to have be following this God account but still claim to be an atheist? How does that all work? And I'd argue it shows in a really nice modern way how God works through people in mysterious ways, but God is active and working as long as we are willing to listen to what he has to say. So if you have not checked out God Friend and Me on CBS, I'd highly recommend it. So I've tipped my hand quite a bit this week on what I really want to get into and what I want to discuss. And when we're dealing with Lent and we're working through Lent and we're thinking about Lent being this time of reflecting on our own faith journey, I find this week in a lot of ways really, really powerful. I talked about it with a couple different people this week and going over and thinking about these readings. And I wonder if the miracle that we're having here isn't necessarily Jesus knowing everything about this woman and having this community come to faith and recognizing who he is. I wonder if the miracle is actually the relationship that Jesus makes with this woman and that we're having this relationship. And is it purely for the woman's needs at this point? Or is it also somewhat Jesus's needs? Like I stated right before I left the gospel text, he talks about that he's tired from his journey. And we think about what Jesus has gone through at this point, and he's just wanting a drink of water. And the argument that I started to ask around some other pastor friends of mine was, does this not sound like a burnt out pastor? It sure sounds like that at this point, Jesus is just tired and he just wants someone to talk to and wants a drink of water. He needs something to nourish him. And he has this conversation, which leads into when we get to verse 40 and at the very end of verse 40, when other Samaritans had came and they asked them to stay with him, that he stayed two days. We have this man who is stating at the beginning of his journey that he's tired and yet is being offered to stay an additional two days. And if this is a guy that's potentially physically and emotionally and spiritually burnt out, something happened in this interaction that helped give him 
some new life in the situation. When I've been thinking about and working through these texts, it's been extremely hard this week to not be thinking about and tying that into coronavirus and COVID-19. And I'll attach a link down below from a CNBC news story discussing how this could be a long game that we're playing with here to have a vaccine to cure, in quotes, coronavirus or COVID-19 could take years, could take a year to year and a half just to get that, even if we accelerate the timeline and how things are already accelerating faster than what we've done before. We know that COVID-19 is the name for this specific type of coronavirus. Coronavirus is a whole section of viruses, which if you remember SARS scare from almost 20 years ago, SARS is a related to the COVID-19 that we're dealing with right now. And so it's really interesting if you listen to the CNBC article on how much interaction and how much the science community in this case has been working together in this from the Chinese government sequencing the genome to already having because that genome has been sequenced, how quickly they were able to start trying to find at least some preliminary vaccines that possibly could go into the first phases of experimentation. We're talking 40 days, which is just mind-boggling, again, comparing it to the SARS epidemic in 2002 and how much has changed in this time. But in that, that, that information of sequencing the genome, which is showing all the different base pairs within, it's essentially breaking down the DNA so we can start understanding how this virus is working to then be able to put it into some type of vaccine to help diffuse or figuring out different strategies and how we have multiple different pharmaceutical companies that are working on this. The downside being that in a lot of times that these haven't exactly been majorly profitable for these pharmaceutical companies, but that they're taking all this different information that all these different ones are trying and being able to communicate and work together to work through this and to try different things, to think about things from different perspectives and constantly trying to see what are the ways that this is working, what ways is it not working. And the beautiful thing with that to me is the relationships that are being built, especially across borders here. We look at Jesus here. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. She's part Jew, part Gentile. She's in this weird middle ground. And with the woman drawing water at noon, we can assume that she's somewhat an outcast within her own community. Yet Jesus is talking to her. In the first reading, we have the Israelites complaining to Moses, saying that it was better for them to be in Egypt. That, why did you bring us out here? Essentially stating it was better when we were slaves than us being here now. And Paul, in the Romans text, reminding us that there are going to be hard times, but it's through those hard times that we often see Christ working. 
we often see who Christ is and how Christ works in those times. And we even see in the psalmist this week that Christ has made all this stuff and how often we disregard it and ignore it and miss the boat. Right now, I'm wondering if COVID-19 is arriving at one of the best times. You hear it from the economist perspective where they're saying the markets needed a correction and needed to be adjusted anyways. And with the markets crashing, this is helping actually be healthy for the markets. You're seeing that we as a community, as a world, suddenly can't be consumed with, I don't agree with that opinion of this person. It's suddenly, how can we work together through this. And we are going to have to be working not only within state borders, but not only within national borders, but international borders. We're having multiple different scientists from all over the world trying to work and to understand how this virus works. To me, it's the beautiful part of science in action. And as we're listening to doctors telling us to make sure that we're washing our hands to really get the lipids to help pull these viruses off our hands, as we're trying this isolation model and trying to make sure that we're trying to prevent the spread as much as possible and keeping it isolated to where it is, we are also then working within this grand scheme of working together as a humanity to do something. We look at how many businesses have had to try working with us to figure out how to make this possible. To me, yes, is there things that are concerning, things that we could get wrapped up in really easily? Yes. But I also see the weird beauty that this has brought as we are having to think creatively on how to do different things. I know one of the things within the congregation that I'm serving, we're thinking a lot about the elders in nursing homes and how even up in our neck of the woods that they're starting to isolate and extremely limit the number of people that they're letting into the nursing home, and rightfully so. But how can we be creative to make sure that we're still reaching and connecting with these elders when we maybe can't see them face to face? Is there ways that we can connect with them, maybe going, making old school, new school, to make sure that they know that they're loved and cared for? And I would argue that maybe in some weird way, what we're beginning to see with COVID-19 is that people genuinely care about people. And we genuinely love and care about each other. And to me, is that the hope that Paul is talking about in Romans? Is that the hope that we see with Christ within our own lives? Is that not Christ working through us? I am not entirely sure. But to me, as a person of faith, I want to cling on to that. I want to hold on to that. Realizing that this is a way that we are seeing faith in action. And we have to humble ourselves realizing that this might be a long journey. This might be hard. This might be like the Israelites in the desert, not understanding what is going on. But when we get these moments that we need to hold on to them and cling to them. I'm no doctor and I don't fully understand how exactly all this virus works. 
But I do understand having faith to hold on to and to trust that God is behind all of this. So the Twitter question that I'll propose to you this week is a little more direct than most weeks. But where in this crisis of COVID-19 are you seeing God work? Because as you can see from me, I'm seeing it in the scientific practices and how those practices being translated down to people, that's where I'm seeing God. I would love to hear other ways that you're seeing God work at a small level or a big level. I would love to hear it. I think right now it's those moments and those glimpses of hope that we need in Lent anyways as we are wrestling with and figuring all this stuff out about our own faith. But right now as we're going through the middle of this crisis or that could be the early stages for all we know, and as we're trying to learn from what's happened in the section of Wutan, China, that has gone through this, we all sit with anticipation, waiting to understand and see where God shows up. And for me, it's exciting. It's cool to see this in action. As we work with building the relationships, as we work to see how in this crisis that God is still there, just like what may have been like for that woman at that time being rejected and getting to the point where she's at least somewhat accepted within her community. To the Israelites wondering why God pulled them out of Egypt, this doesn't seem like the right idea to understanding in the end that they're going to be okay. And Paul reminding us that there is going to be hard times. And I would argue that maybe we are entering into one of these. But that doesn't mean that God isn't there and it doesn't mean that God isn't going to show up. And that to me gives me the hope to keep taking on the day, day after day. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science and stay healthy out there.